hey, you're listening to the podcast. <laughs> are you? A podcast. Oh, you are listening yeah. to a podcast. I am this John, is, and you are This Owen. is a podcast. Listening to Charge Podcast Episode 14, the podcast that looks at tech under the hood. I'm your host, Owen, and joining me today is your co-host, John. How's things, John? Pretty good. Imagine I wasn't joining you one day. I know, it would just be like this excellent monologue. And I'd be like, and and joining me is myself. Oh man, that'd be so sad. Maybe I should just do it once. Just for the lols. So I saw I'm gonna answer pre-answer my own question of <laughs> okay how is the weather in amsterdam because i know i did note today on your snap which i i love snapchat now i'm absolutely yeah. super into it um, i noticed you're being addicted oh my god it's really good uh i f- feel like i sounded like a 22 year old there but it's so good <laughs> and anyway it's beautiful there it looks like you had a lovely yeah. day drinking ipas and looking at rivers and being it's nice man it's been raining for like 10 days straight so you know it's how's things there hollish right hollish holland hollandish what <laughs> in uh amsterdam is it hollish or what's the amsterdam region people called dutch Dutch, sorry. <laughs> the Hollish. I love it. I love it. This is immortalized forever. What How's is, the weather in New York? It's beautiful. What What is Hollish, though? Isn't that a thing? Or did I just invent I don't think so. Maybe you imagined it? I don't know. Hollish. <laughs> I'm going to start asking some Dutch people. Uh, so we have a we have a explanation for where we were last week. <laughs> oh man, this is so awkward. We got we got boned by the, some software, so we're actually recording a different way this week. But what happened? It was like saving bits of the file without the audio. I don't know. It was weird. Well, okay. So John's computer. We'll tell you exactly what happened. John, oh, you know what happened? Yeah, John's computer had two and a half gigs of space on it. Oh. Uh, which wasn't enough swap space for Audacity to write the file to disk, I guess, or whatever, or something nice. was going on. And so, or maybe all the swap space was used. Uh, but anyway, what was happening was apparently, according to Audacity's uh, help thing, that if you don't have this enormous amount of disk space available, which I was just using my shitty old laptop to do our podcasts before. So when you listen to it, it's like, and that, and yeah, and then, <laughs> and then but then you're not quite sure. And back time around the place. <laughs> you're very good at this. Yeah, sorry. I was I was trying to edit it, and I was like, it was weird because the it sounded okay, and then everything started getting out of sync. Anyway, so that's where we were last week. <laughs> it's actually my fault. So we're using. I blame. Zen, it's my fault. We're using Zencaster now, and I also cleared up some space. So I have uh, 25 gigabytes free on my nice. computer now. Well, Zencaster is dope. It's a it's like a VoIP software, but it records everything and then it just puts it in Dropbox. So if it works and you're listening to this, it was great. If it if it didn't work, we probably used Audacity. Anyway, so I guess we have a few things to talk about. So the, probably the biggest thing of this week was Brexit. Uh, Brexit. Oh, well, that was last week, I guess. Well, it's still this week. We actually recorded on the day, and I was far more depressed on that day than I am today. But I'm still sad about it. How do you feel about it? Oh, well. Well, you literally had like a circus week in politics in Europe. So, mm-hmm. 
years of this to go. Yeah, I, I mean, I said on the podcast before, I was like, mm, all the British people don't like Europeans, so they're probably all going to vote to leave. They don't have any idea what that means, but they're going to do it. And that they did it and they didn't know what it meant, but they did it anyway. That's fine. And now everybody's boned. Everyone's That's like, great. They didn't know what they were doing. And I'm like, no, they knew exactly what they were doing. They didn't know what they were doing <laughs> meant, but they knew what they were doing. They just didn't know what it mean, meant. So now they yeah. know. And now they'll they'll deal with it, and that's fine. I mean, you know what? The UK is a pretty resilient country. It'll figure itself out. So it's the rest of Europe I'm yeah. more concerned about, because now if everybody else jumps ship, then that's going to be quite annoying for the EU. It's going to be a long few years. Apple versus uh, Spotify. Yeah, they've uh, they've been a bit childish this week. I don't know. It's like this crazy... It's like this crazy thing. So Spotify came out the other day, and they were like... They they were saying that Apple was using the App Store as a weapon, which I guess it technically is. And they were complaining that Apple was deliberately blocking a major update to their app. And so it was really interesting. They they released uh it was a letter from Spotify to Apple and they put it in public. And they're basically complaining that Apple's rules are blocking them from making money while Apple Music thrives. And it's so funny because the rules have existed for years. Basically, it's the rule that if you are selling an app on the App Store you're and you want people to pay for it and you're a subscription business, you can't tell people that they can register on your store instead of in the app. So if you if you register through the Spotify app and use an in-app purchase, I don't know if they have that, but other apps, they add 30% to account for Apple's uh, subscription uh, that the cut they take and so like an app like headspace does this it'll be the app is usually like nine dollars 99 cents but in the app store if you buy it through directly in the ios app it's actually 13 dollars because they account for apple's cut and it's the same with spotify which means they can't compete and so what they've done it was weird what they've done it has is that instead of having in-app purchases, they had this thing that if you went to a song that is premium only, it would pop up, whoops, that's a premium feature. And and then the only button was, oh, okay. And if you push that, nothing happened, which was a, a sneaky trick because a day later you'd get an email saying, hey, do you want to subscribe? It's cheaper if you do it through the Spotify subscription. Totally sneaky getting around Apple's rules. And... uh but I also kind of understand from their perspective that they can't compete because they're going to lose 30% of their revenue. Meanwhile, Apple can sell their own Apple Music subscription for 30% and they keep all the money. So the margins are already small and I guess they're kicking up a stink. I don't know. Do you think it's fair? Three words. Okay. Free market. <laughs> platform. Yep. Yep. Ecosystem. Yeah. You want to I mean, buy into the platform. You want to be in the ecosystem. You want to compete in the free market. Use it or don't use it. Yeah. But I like uh, Apple, Apple's response. Also, app, look, I was like sort of kind of kind of like half on Spotify's side on this one. Uh until I read their response and then when they kind of outlined the fact that like hey we built this app store that we maintain and have editors that work on and like make sure that the quality and caliber is high and that you're like 
there and that people know how to find you and like and they got all them the all those downloads yeah and get you all the, like what is that i love this to you? i love this it's he i'm only gonna quote a little bit he says and this is apple Apple's public response to Spotify's there can be no doubt that Spotify has benefited enormously from its association with the App Store since joining in 2009 we've provided you with 160 million downloads of your apps and resulted in hundreds of thousands of dollars in revenue for Spotify we find it troubling that you're asking for exemptions to the rules that apply to all developers and are publicly resulting to rumors and half-truths about our service and that's when I'm like okay good call before I was kind of thinking, uh, yeah, it's kind of lame and it's unfair and like whatever, but Apple owns the platform, right? So, meh. Just as <laughs> much as it costs, I'm like, they have to maintain the whole thing. Like there's there's actual costs involved in running and building and they created the app store. So sorry. Yep. That's just what and it Spotify is. And didn't. you know what? They have all the customers and you get a really nice direct interface straight to the customer straight to their hardware straight to their ears which mm-hmm. is what you want so you know what but surely like apple i mean sorry spotify could do some really other less sneaky ways to do it like instead of acknowledging that there's any premium stuff at all in the app they could just email like that would be a way around it rather than like being like oh sorry you can't do that and or then sneakily emailing people after some kind of thing that you can do in ios or on the apple device and do an in-app purchase purchase for it that costs like 10 bucks more or something like that and cover your like like, everybody else has figure out how to like actually do something valuable on the platform then that covers your costs on it or it or it cuts into your margin those are your two options or you don't do it like either build a phone yeah like seriously (laughs) no babies whiny Get out of here, Donald Trumping you. I'm glad you feel this way. So that's interesting, and I'm sure it's going to carry on for quite some time, right? Like, I don't think Spotify's going to take it away. Which I am an Apple fanboy, but (laughs) I mean, come on. It's just silly that it's in public, right? Like the fact that they're taking it to the public to try and moan while everybody else has suffered through this for years anyway is just kind of funny. Bring back audio, I say. Yeah. Oh man, I'm still sad. So. Let's talk about the Facebook apocalypse. <laughs> it's only apocalypse if you're a news publisher, I think. But Facebook announced this week that they're making some major changes to the news feed. First of all, who even uses Facebook still? Well, who posts there? But anyway. You posted a uh, picture of your beard on there, and that was I did. the most oh, horrendous thing I've ever seen in my whole entire <laughs> life. You have that beard right now? No, I don't have a beard. I haven't grown a beard since that time, and I don't oh. plan on it again. Good. It's horrible. That was awful. I look like a, I'm going to put a, I'll put it in the show notes. I look like a caveman. Anyway, so <laughs> Facebook's making some changes at the moment. If you Sorry, go on your newsfeed. Sorry, that was kind of mean. No, it's not mean. It was a horrible beard and everybody agrees. So <laughs> I'll put the picture for context in the show notes at chargepodcast.com, our lovely new domain name. Anyway. Do you uh, the podcast over here? Yeah. So Facebook is making some changes that uh, is making uh, news publishers shit bricks. Basically, it boils down to this. They're trying to make, sorry, the algorithm will now prefer posts by people rather than pages. And that's basically what people have wanted all along. And now publishers are dying. 
and it's this, <laughs> not dying, but it's they're favoring people shared posts over page shared posts, which happened to businesses years ago. Like you had to start paying to get into the newsfeed and now it's happening to publishers too. And so I think the algorithm change kicked in on Friday, but it means that publishers that rely on traffic from Facebook will see a marked dis- decrease in traffic from those organic posts of their own, which is interesting given that a lot of publishers have more than 40% of their traffic coming from Facebook. So it's going to be bad. Why are they doing this? Because I think people don't share much on Facebook anymore. And I think as a result, the news feeds got inundated with shit from publishers, which they thought would make people share more, but actually meant that people just don't check Facebook as much. So now I think they're trying to go full circle back to, we're super personal, we love people mode. So I don't know. It's it's like the the whole thing was we're focusing on people and people are important to you and your newsfeed, which is true. That's why people use Facebook. But it's like this huge shitstorm for publishers because I think they've just become so reliant on that Facebook traffic existing that you know a site that got ten million visits this month might only see four million next month because that's how much traffic comes from them. And I don't know whose fault that is. Maybe you know it's basically the publisher's fault, but. It's not good. We should all go hang out in coffee shops and bring newspaper articles and discuss them with each yeah, other. in person. Like in Facebook yeah. newsfeed IRL. Delete Facebook and everyone just starts going, hanging out and having conversations <sighs> with each other and talking about the things that but, they're reading and we're building up empathy with each other. IRL stuff. Anyway, but here's the thing. I think building your platform <laughs> yeah, on... It's, it's like, so basically that's... Like my point really is like... That's what they're saying people yeah. want. Like we don't we don't wanna have this world of of content distribution controlled by content right. creators. Yeah, they want people to share it if it's interesting itself rather than pages. You know, here's the thing. So have Having worked at a publisher and having seen like the inbound traffic from those places, I get why they relied on it so heavily. But like, if you build on somebody else's platform, you are at their mercy like that. And it's ironic that we just talked about Spotify as well. But you, I mean, you are at their mercy. If you leverage 60% of your traffic from one source, I think you didn't diversify enough. And, and, that's dangerous like it's your risk and facebook has been known to do this before and that's you know i remember when they bought in do you remember like paid business boosting or whatever it was like you can share a post and facebook's algorithm decides how many people see it but you can pay to get in like everybody's feed i remember the shitstorm around that because businesses were like we're going to be suffocated by facebook and like they kind of were but facebook also has to make money for the platform they provide and the service they have (laughs) this is so many themes man oh always no like this is the internet SaaS model world ecosystem Mm -hmm. stuff like there's always a platform there's always an ecosystem around it there's always a dominant platform provider there's always interoperability between brands or customers or like different segments or different demographic like that's how it all kind of works what i really struggle with and we were just having this conversation actually in slack and in our Mm -hmm. slack the other day 
about I really fundamentally struggle with uh, platform providers that cannibalize their ecosystem. Uh, And we were talking about it in the context of Amazon AWS offering SMS services three or four days after Twilio IPOs. It's beautiful. It's like, well, it's just like, and like David Bird was saying in that Slack, like how, or maybe it was Eric actually, that um, AWS has, or Amazon has Amazon Basics or something like that. Where they copy other people's products and sell them in bulk. Yeah. And so it's like, well, if you're, if you are a business and you're using somebody else's platform and participating in their ecosystem and reaping the benefits of that, understand Mm -hmm. what that means. Like the risk that you're taking could only be short term. Just know what it, factor it into your business. Understand what it means. Make it a known factor in what you're doing, but don't just see it as this like easy hack to get things like everyone's making money everybody is like if you're lazy if you're not innovating people are going to innovate around you and it may be the platform providers because often those people are quite those businesses are quite and they they can see exactly what you're doing right like they can they can sherlock you just like apple does right every time there's an apple event everybody's counting how many apps they've swallowed by just integrating them into the platform just like think about the platforms you. that's a risk you it's always a risk think about where you're and it sucks like you can make some money but like you should always diversify 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 unless you own the platform diversify so let's talk about smart cities oh god you don't want to talk about smart cities no we can't what did sam altman do this week the y combinator guy <sighs> i have no idea you don't know I mean, I don't. I, I read it, but I don't really know. Under didn't really understand. He wants it, to build a city, right? That's what I read. I uh, mm. <laughs> it sounds like it, right? Well, the whole thing just makes me so uncomfortable. I don't. And I, I think they're good, well-intentioned people, so I don't really want to be like. And you know, I do this for a living. Yeah. So, like, this is my whole life is cities, not cities. And so whenever anybody enters the space, I am hyper, hyper, hyper critical of them. <laughs> and what I see a, the thing that scares me the most is technologists coming into, I mean, that's why our company is called State, mm-hmm. S-T-A-E, Symbiotic Technology and Ecology. Mm-hmm the these two things that are not of each other technology and metal and automation whatever right and and people and humans and the thing that we live in and our whole our our world how do they these two symbiotic how do they have this symbiotic relationship that's really a positive healthy relationship and I think what we often see in the context of the smart city, air quotes over here, (laughs) um, is, you know, masters of computer science, comp sci grads, product managers from technology companies, recognizing and reading that there's a lot of 
uh, interesting things and difficult problems to be solved in the municipal um, world and right, municipal right. government and the way that these cities operate and stuff. And so there, there are interesting challenges to apply technology uh, as, as solutions to. But what bothers me is technologists that want to do that in a box, kind of like... From a technology angle, right? Like... Well, I kind of like go and build this thing in a in a room and like try these different things and figure out what the KPIs of a city should be and like blah 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 blah. <laughs> what are our OKRs? How do we how do we get how do we get the city rules to fit into a hundred pages of text? Like all this stuff. It's like, well, why don't you just take a hundred million dollars and like donate it to a city and tell them that you know you're you're gonna place two of their people as directors in this like innovation lab and study the city and like be on the ground and understand the real problems that are happening in cities today and then take those insights and apply them to a new you know way of architecting a city and maybe even incrementally move our existing uh, infrastructure and our existing legacy more into the future and that's always how I've kind of thought about it like most certainly we are eventually going to have to get to the point of just turning cities on from scratch and we're going to have to do that because of massive socioeconomic shifts over the next 20 to 30 years the way that population growth is happening the way that food supply chain management is going to need to happen to deal with everyone plus the way that jobs are going to shift and all this stuff read read, if you want to just read ed glazer's book the triumph of city like that's what made me start my company it's a great book smart city is a really interesting thing um i know that we also are going to talk about sidewalk labs oh yeah a whole thing about that as well which is just like mind-boggling to me um but i i guess my whole my whole thesis is that i get very nervous when technologists come around uh city stuff uh and i say that as one myself i guess but my head of product is a she joined us from harvard she's uh got a degree in architecture landscape architecture my from stanford and and harvard and a minor in um, public policy and has worked in city data and it's like and i trust her to do the right things on the city side of things because I don't understand that world. It's not my world. I can help solutionize the problems via technology and that's it. And so I hope that all of these initiatives, all the smart city stuff looks at it from that that lens. But that's just, I mean, that's just- From the human perspective. Maybe there are are better ways and maybe I'm naive too. I do like that they say like, we're seriously interested in building new cities. And we think we know how to finance it. It's very interesting. I like it's very the I'll put the post in the show notes. It's very vague. Look, here's the thing. And I will just What should a city I optimize for? I don't use <laughs> I don't use this podcast as a platform to like tr- too much talk about my like thoughts on this, but the thing that everyone needs to really think about in this stuff and it is really important and I like 
I go read the Fortune article that we were in recently called uh, Who Owns the Data? In all of this smart city stuff, the really important thing to keep in mind is that all of the pieces of technology, all of the things that make up this smart city market, this $1.3 trillion market, is predominantly IoT device-driven, smart buses, smart traffic lights, smart street lights, smart pedestrian counters, smart demographic tools, smart air sensors, smart smart blah, 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 right? Like all of these things, all of these physical pieces of infrastructure that will be, that's why that, it's such a huge number, trillion dollars for a really new industry because it's a lot of physical stuff that that's being purchased and we're talking like atlanta just got a two a hundred million dollar infrastructure bond to spend on that kind of stuff 200 million dollars that's a lot of money and so in all of this deployment of all of these physical things that can generate all of this information about what's going on about what we as people are doing in the cities that we live in in our habitats all of that information has an incredible amount of value all those data sets are really 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 valuable they're more valuable than our our email addresses they're more valuable than our names and dates of birth that facebook have or twitter has they actually know habits they know they can know deeply what is which is great because there's a lot of efficiency that can come from that right cities can run in a lot in a, a lot more efficient manners right right and you, and so you can save an incredible amount of money. And that's actually something that's really necessary because in America anyway, a very large percentage of the municipal workforce is about to um, retire. And right. there's not enough people coming into civic government to replace all of those people. So it kind of actually works out quite well from a government perspective that all of this like automation and AI and and like software development is a thing that's starting to trickle in at this point. But anyway, back to my point is that all of this data has an immense amount of value and that cities and 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 people need to who live in cities, all of us need to realize that if we let all of the companies have all of that data for free they will make all of the money off the data about us and and this and we want to know so when they're saying we think we know how to finance it this is how you could finance a city you could literally never pay taxes in a city by creating a data marketplace creating a model and this is what our company does i mean and this is a huge ass advert for my company (laughs) right now but like and then you can you can translate all of that value of data into currency which you can pass down to the city and the city can fund itself right um but that only exists in a world where we don't allow private companies to set the value of the data themselves it should happen uh in a in a more generalized marketplace and so you mean like the 
the government should own that and have the control over that like mm-hmm. money basically yeah so copenhagen is already starting to experiment with this so they, they have a lot of data sets that they're going to make available and you can purchase them and and build insights on top of and include that in your applications ah. as value adds or whatever but um i think that from from the thing the, re- the thing that really pissed me off was and and kind of was the the reason that we started going so hard with this with the business that we're in um, is that what's happening is a lot of uh, large enterprise companies like GE and Honeywell and and I think frankly we're probably starting to see it with um, Alphabet with Sidewalk Labs and Intersection and Link NYC which are vertical integration companies um, is that they will have cities write RFPs that they will then bid on and then taxpayers' money will be used to purchase and procure uh, physical infrastructure for the cities that will uh, generate data. Then that data is backhauled to whatever proprietary cloud and then sold back to the city again. Uh So you're as a taxpayer, you're in this like weird thing where you're paying for something and then data is generated about you and then you then buy that information about yourself. Good Lord. That's interesting. So that kind of leads into what Sidewalk Labs is doing, right? So Mm -hmm. can you explain what Sidewalk Labs is? So Sidewalk Sidewalk Labs is um, Alphabet's... Um, municipal ecosystem, smart city, kind of physical world. Um, They started off, I think, uh, originally were going to be a VC and they were going to make investments in smart city companies, but then there weren't a lot of um, smart city companies focusing on the things at the scale that they were looking at. Oh, wow. Okay. So what they decided to do was just start the companies themselves. So then they formed a company called Intersection, and Intersection has a company called Link NYC, and Link NYC makes a booth. Uh, they're replacing all of the phone booths in Manhattan with these Link NYC smart smart board booths. Free things. Wi-Fi, right? Free Wi-Fi, super super high speed, backed by Comcast right now, but in the future yeah. will be backed by uh, Google Fiber. Um, and, uh, it's got like a tablet on it, um, some cameras, uh, and then like this Wi-Fi, uh, free Wi-Fi thing. And they're like, there's going to be a very, very high density of them in Manhattan. Effectively, you wouldn't have to have, if you live near one, like if one was on your block, you would be able to connect to it and have as fast as your like home cable internet so does that uh, decentralize the internet in new york do you think well it it centralizes it all to google yeah, it I, moves I guess. everyone off so i mean it's kind of the last the like it's the last step of the cable cutting right like you don't need your time warner that kind of solves the horrible uh you guys don't have like that much choice, right? With providers and speed and stuff, right? It's not unbundled. So like if you get an apartment, you probably are stuck with Comcast, for example. Is that correct? No, not necessarily, but... It depends where you live too, doesn't it? 
yeah, we have Fios, but I think we could also have whoever the other cable company's version of that is. So there's like two options. (laughs) Yeah, two or three. Right. But I mean, the point is, I don't think that people will use... uh, I mean, the real weird thing is that like, if you're connected to that, if you go to link.nyc and read their privacy policy, it's hilarious. It's just like everything that you do when you're connected to this, we're allowed to know and catalog. So like, that's like the final, that's like the final, it's the extension of the, of the SaaS platform into the physical, right? It's the way that, that you can bring. So then you can, what can happen is you can, you can say to, um, so you can like have one of these link NYC booths on a, on a street corner and they could do demographic identification of, uh, the people walking up and down the street. And then they could say, okay, uh, uh, this street has, um, 5,000 people that walk down it, uh, during from 6 AM to 6 PM of those, uh, 10,000 are, um, female or sorry, a large percentage are female. So Sephora, you should put a storefront here and we'll sell you that insight. And also we'll put an advert for the store coming soon on the board that's on the street and start to like tell other people on other boards around it that they're going to be opening one close to you. Crazy. Uh, and like give you insight on how the demographic of the street is changing over time and like all of these crazy things. And you could even go so far as to say, okay, we could have a rotating pop-up store where it changes the type of store during the course of the day, depending on what the average consumer walking by. Oh my God. You know, know. the the leak this week of Sidewalk Labs, which was why we're bringing it up, said something about it's the, the one, the trial in Ohio is to do with upgrading public transit, basically. Did you read that? Yeah, so they own Waze and they have this huge investment in Uber. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that like... People are trying to, there's, it's, public transit is really expensive to provide. And it's, it's often like, one of the things that I'm excited about for smart buses is that they will be able to understand more of what's happening inside of them. So you'll be able to plan bus routes a lot better because if sometimes you're just running a bus for like four hours where no one's ever on it. And if you can um, say that, with data, then you can say, okay, well, instead what we'll do is we'll offset, we'll offset those hours with Uber and we'll provide free Uber in this, uh, in, you know, in this, on this street or in this neighborhood, uh, and we'll, we'll, uh, you know, we'll give you some coupon code to do that if you live in that neighborhood or whatever. So it tries to like fix the, uh, utilization. Well, that's like that. They might, that's one way that I've, I've, I've heard cities and CIOs talk about doing it, right? Like, uh, cause then they, it costs so much to run that bus for however many hours, but maybe it would cost a hundred dollars in Ubers, right? But it would cost like $10,000 in bus. Huh. Interesting. So yeah, there was, there was quite an interesting leak because they want to do stuff like that, like guide you to car parks or I love this a bit like Airbnb for cars. It would allow companies to rent private parking spaces temporarily. It's really interesting. I'll post the link. I, I was really fascinated by it. I think that kind of work is really interesting. So it's kind of cool that you can tell us a little bit about of what you're doing there. RVC is um, 
is BMW effectively, um, uh, partially. It's kind of complicated how it works, as, as it always is. But um, And the reason that they're interested in us is because they have the mini brand, and the mini brand is trying to um, diversify its offerings outside of just the core competency of mini being just like, you know, single use transit to other uh, other devices and pieces of infrastructure that could be useful to the BMW brand as a whole. So, for example, one of the things that they're developing right now is illuminative, illuminative street lamps um, that are solar panel. You don't, they don't need to be plugged into the grid. And they also have uh, charging stations at the bottom, multi-head charging stations that if you have a Tesla or a BMW or a, a Toyota or whatever, you can just like park at these below these street uh, illuminative street lamps and charge your cars on them. Um, and then they also generate a whole bunch of data that they can pass back to the city about the types of cars that pass underneath the street lamps and uh, where all the available parking spots are and stuff like is this that. Like, it's pretty cool. It's just cool, but is it not like a little creepy as well? Well, that's the whole... We're moving into a really, really intensely crazy time. Like, as soon as we start to have sensors everywhere in cities... Like plate readers and, make you people know, the uncomfortable. The scary enough. thing to me is that I, and I mean this with the most due respect, if anyone from any of our clients are or are listening, but like, I speak to some municipal technologists and like CIOs and CTOs, and I don't know if you've seen the Internet of Shit uh, uh, Twitter account, but it's like that level of scary stuff. Like it is just. <laughs> Yeah, like they don't they and and they don't know what they're buying. And these technology companies come in and they're like, oh, yeah, let's like deploy this thing and we'll do it for X number of dollars because we're going to like take the data and generate money off it for ourselves. So like this is half price. And in reality, a that um, all of that data is worth considerably more than right. whatever discount they're getting on the hardware and B who the hell knows what, who these companies are or what hardware they're putting in That's the or trick what though, isn't it? standard. Yeah. It's, ter- it's so, crazy. Like Nest, for example, you're not, when you buy the device, they're not like even necessarily making that much money off the sale of the device. It's actually what they do with whatever you get, be it selling that to a utility company or whatever. That's more valuable long-term, right? But you don't know that. It doesn't say it on the box, does it? So, <laughs> so I don't know. I mean, this is what I spend my life trying to figure out how to make better because m- mostly because I'm terrified <laughs> of a world where where we have uh, municipal clouds.txt on the desktop of like municipal workers with a, a million yeah. logins to a million different vendors clouds where you like can get all this data on stuff and like it's just i don't think anyone people barely know how to use aws so i don't know that anyone's doing this the right way and i see the stuff that they've implemented today and it's scary it's, it's like very, some like sql dump done. file on some dude's desktop uh, some of the stuff is crazy it's like on no i can't even talk about it yeah that's said, okay so. that's okay but i you know i've seen shit in it and it's bad so i can't even imagine on a city level how to how they have to secure this stuff one c uh to for a city i asked him what is your largest technology concern in the future 
Like over the next five years, right. what are you the most concerned about? And he said, I don't know how to get toner for the photocopiers that we that are out of production. What? Oh, my God. So they're not even thinking about this stuff. There's 120,000 people that live in the city. Oh, my God. And he's worried about the printers. Nice. OK, so smart, <laughs> smart cities, man. It's really Twilio interesting. IPO. Oh, yeah. That's great. We talked about that last week, but I guess we lost that. Yeah. yeah. Epic IPO. One of the most logical, and I think I've said that a lot, but it is. And it's still going up, right? Yeah. Ridiculous. Are you still long? Yeah, I'm super long. I'm $100 on Twilio. $100? Damn. Hundred? No, $100. A sh- well, it'll get to $100. Wow. Nice. I Thank wish you. I could buy shares it, from here. $20 billion company, I say. I think so. Everything they do is logical. Yep. So, and on that Jeff Lawson guy, is that his name? Yeah, Jeff. Yeah. C- the the CEO. CEO. Yeah, I met him. He's awesome. He is. Uh, C- him and Stuart Butterfield are like CEOs that you should like aspire to be if you want. If yeah. you're a CEO, I feel like lovely guy too. Yep. And then Samsung bought Joyant. Talking about IoT. Oh yeah, so we talked about that. That's weird. Samsung wants a cloud. Weird. Uh-huh. Yeah. That was that. That's what we talked about last week. <laughs> yeah, and then Magic Pony uh, getting acquired by Twitter, which, which we I also called. yeah yeah you called it like what six episodes ago. Yeah. So Twitter's all it's in on machine they, learning now. Well, if they can get the platform super optimized so the video looks amazing and they have the best video distribution platform, everyone will use it, and it makes sense because the journals are there. I was actually thinking yesterday, if you told the journalists that you were gonna have a paywall on their Twitter feeds and you were going to um, revenue share with them for like a paywall Twitter feed where they like put some analysis thought or something like that. Right. pay for that. That would be pretty cool. Would it? Or is that stupid? I don't know if I'd pay for it. Five bucks a month? I have subscription fatigue, don't you? Yeah, that's why we need a subscription service for our subscription service. I services. saw one this week that connects to your bank and tells you how much you're doing and it can unsubscribe from them. I need to find it again and put it in the show notes. Yeah, because that people are going to be like, what? <laughs> yeah, dude, it blew my mind. It's US only, so you can use it and I can't, but it's awesome. Story of your life. Literally is the story of my life. Yeah. So. So that was a good podcast. Uh, I think we've covered all of our topics. Yeah, no for now. No to talk about today. And we'll, yeah, we'll be back to normal again from next week. Yeah, I'm sorry. We, that was my No, bad. I mean, here's the thing. It's a learning process, and I think everybody who's listening to this understands that we're, it's getting better we're every lo-fi. week. We're lo-fi. We're lo-fi. And it's actually getting better every week. So we appreciate you hanging in there with us. And if you enjoy this, feel free to send us an email. It's Does on the show Does anyone ever email us? Cause like, I get tweets. Huh. Thousands of people are listening at this point, which is makes me gives me performance anxiety. Every yeah, like what, like nineteen hundred people a week, which is pretty cool. So, here's the thing: let's ask people to do it. Tweet us on at ow or at jedger or at charge tech because we'd love to just chat and hear yeah, who the people are thoughts. that are listening. And, and if you have any questions, send them to us. You can just email hi at char.gd or hi at chargepodcast.com both work and we'll reply to you we'd love to just and I've just decided right now that every week I'm going to give a book recommendation 
So what's your recommendation this week? I hear you typing. Yeah, Makers and Takers, it's called. Nice. We'll put the link in the thing. Okay. Please read it. It's very, very good, especially if you live in the U.S., but even if you don't live in the U.S., it'll give you some really good insights. It's called Makers and Takers. Okay. Must read it. And I'm reading Zero to One, so <laughs> oh, I'm really slow. That's a great book. Yeah, I'm really enjoying it. The thing about Zero to One is it is not a business book. It is a philosophy book. Yeah. And it is supposed to remind you that you are in charge of your life. <laughs> that's what I'm learning. Anyway, yep. please email us, hi at chargepodcast.com, tweet us at chargetech or whatever. We'd love to hear from you. Leave us a review, whatever. Anyway, <laughs> thanks for hanging out, John. It was great to talk this week. Always a pleasure, Owen. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. Raise your hand. Wait, there's a thing for that? Yeah, let's push it and see what happens. Oh my god, you got, Whoa. You got a hand. Put a hand down, put a hand oh, down. Oh shit, they got like real, raise real hand. real fast. Oh shit. Put a hand down. Can you raise your hand, please? I can't, I don't have the option. <laughs> Whoa, do you see my hand being raised Yeah, though? it's like a little raise pink hand. Wait, I can actually put your hand back down, I can force it. What? <laughs> put your hand up? No. Get off my hand, get off my hand. Get off my hand. <laughs> I actually really like Zencaster. It seems really nice, and the like the audio works. So I'm gonna push stop recording.